welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, and I think this is the fifth year, fifth season, Patrick Egan. And let's say hello to our, from the beginning, uh, consummate co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. So that means I get the five-year award, too, maybe? Exactly. I think it's been five years, <laughs> or maybe more. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe we're rolling up on six in May. I can't remember. It's been so long, but uh, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. You? Oh yeah, yeah. When I could make it in, I mean, we've we've talked about some pretty cool stuff, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, some groundbreaking stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny as I posted a link today from a podcast uh, about NASA flying over that volcano in in uh, Costa Rica, and I had uh, Jeff Land on from um, let's see, I th- five years ago, and he was talking about they've been going down there for like twenty years, and uh, had him talk about it. That was probably one of the most uh, downloaded episodes. Um, the way Blog Talk used to do it, they used to give you the total of how many downloads it had. And that thing had like 25,000 downloads on its own. Very interesting story. Um, but it's funny, you know, we talk about this as kind of a Groundhog Day thing. Oh, my God, look at this use you can use drones for, you know. They've been doing for 20 it's years. same but different. I know. There's another, I talked to somebody else who's doing an ag thing. Yeah, you know, we're, uh, we've approached Simplot, and we're talking to them about, and it's like, yeah. When did, uh, when weren't you doing the Simplot thing, what, what, like 15 years ago? That was exactly right. I think, you, if you'll recall, I had one of these big airplanes that had the Simplot logo actually molded into the top of the fuselage, made them out of ABS. You know, we were vacuum forming ABS. And we had yep, one that yep. had the Simplot logo. I think you saw that when we were in Reno. I God, did. I did. And uh, the guy, I think there was a, actually a company rep there, was part of the uh, Arcapa entourage, and that was May 20, 2005. Oh, five. yeah, we were in the aughts. You know, it's funny because uh, we're, we're now starting to, to pick up all this momentum for life-saving and using drones for public safety and stuff like that, and and uh, we were doing some justification work yesterday and dug up a letter from 2008 to a public safety agency or a group of them that I wrote about all the benefits of using a drone for public safety. And, uh, you know, it, it's easy to tell the same thing. When you've been talking it, you know, for the last 10 years, you don't even have to think about it anymore all <laughs> They're all there. They're all in the 2008 letter to them. It's like, oh, wow, this is deja new all over again. Well, you know, interesting uh, news tidbit that you mentioned that. There was a a statement that NIST made about how they didn't believe that the consumer off the shelf, let's say drones, for lack of a better term, were going to be robust enough for law enforcement. I, you know, I tend to agree with that. I think there's some problems. Um, I do think they're a tool in the toolbox, and they could definitely be used, price point, and all the rest of that stuff. But uh, as we move forward, and I think you have, we've already talked about the, the bumps and the lumps uh, associated oh, yeah. with using the off-the-shelf stuff. Uh, you know, and, and I know that uh, you know that is one of the other things is that you've uh, 
had the flying wing system for all these years. You've had a number of systems. I talked to another fellow that you sent one of your new planes to, um, or your latest iteration, and he said, man, that thing is like Reese Lightning. You know, so... Yeah, we I don't know, we man. actually had them made up right. So, you know, I, you know here I am kind of floating around out in the breeze, and now I've got the best airplane and nowhere to fly it, right? Well, that, and, uh, you know, most people believe that a drone's a quadcopter, you know. That's another thing that cracks me up. <laughs> I, I just, you know, it's it's funny as people go, that Egan guy, man, he's mad at the world, man. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, hey, um <clears throat> You want to do beyond visual line of sight and all the rest of this stuff. Uh, you know, you got a quadcopter that's got 15-minute flight time. Where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> you know? Now, when you talk about a flex rotor that can fly for 32 hours, you know, now we're talking turkey, you know? Um, I, I think they're all cop-outs, and I just, I really, and this is that's the topic of today's discussion is going to be, you know, we're going to talk about the uh, Las Vegas thing. But uh, it really shows me how out to lunch the supposed advocates and experts are. These people are just, I I used to think that they were just, you know, uneducated and didn't really know what's going on. But I I am definitely moved over uh, another notch to the right there and saying that they're, they're detrimental to the cause. Um, It really, it's, it's, it's kind of the point where it's just absurd, but and then I'll kind of launch us right into that, really, because I wanted to talk today about the uh, the video in Las Vegas and and some enforcement things. And I'm, I'll let you uh, kind of go into that, Gene, and what you think about the video, the what what some of the advocate, the supposed stakeholders, or what I'm calling, you know, it's really the OEMs and people that want to sell product have come forward and, uh, let's say, have said, if you'd like to start, sir. Sure. Well, you know me. I'm I'm no stranger to the enforcement end of what the FAA can do, right? Um, <laughs> having uh, gone through those travails and tried to push my way through that, uh, that little maze. But uh, it, it is a bit disconcerting that you see some, some videos like the, the Vegas video, and I've heard conspiracy theorists say that, you know, this is a doctored video. This is something that was uh, made up in uh, Video Vegas, and uh, it was put in there, and, you know, it, it didn't really happen, which I think is just ludicrous, because we know that this sort of thing happens a lot. And we also know that there is not much enforcement going on. Uh, and I think we've had discussions about this years and years ago about how the FAA really doesn't have an enforcement arm. You know, they got the ASIs out there, and Lord love them, you know, I've met my share of ASIs, and they're they're friendly, you know, cordial bunch of guys. But they can't be everywhere at once, and they, they usually hang around airports and, uh, you know, FISDOs and things like that where there's just not a whole lot of drone flying going on. So for them to be able to catch someone in the act is so about like trying to launch a Tesla into space. Oh, wait, you've done that. Um, <laughs> all right, recover know, all three <laughs> sections of the rocket. <laughs> yeah, or recover all three. So there you go. Um, so 
you know, it, it is problematic. It is problematic. I, I would have to agree, you know, you and I had a discussion about this the other day, that the FAA has the wherewithal to figure out just exactly who did that. Who done it? Mm. Who done it? Well, you know, here's, um, here's my take on it. Okay. Now, I will say that, um, you know, there are folks out there that are saying it's a sim or whatever. I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not secret squirrel, you know, whatever the case. I, I don't know. If this is uh, an actual event, you know, uh, the guy is a total dumbass. Um, it's just, it's stupid beyond belief. But um, I think, and instead of, I mean, you, you're, you're, this has turned into a total witch hunt where everyone, you know, Throw the book out, throw him in jail, do all of this, do that. And uh, I think that uh, this is, this is I'm, I'm going to say it's kind of like when something happens with law enforcement um, and it gets out there in social media and on Facebook and people go nuts and kind of, you know, stomp all over the uh, process. I think that this is an opportunity. The FAA has all the tools now with, you know, their regular, their FARs to come in and one, investigate what happened Two, you know, um, you know, levy fines, whatever, whatever they're going to do, whatever the, they have in their toolkit and they can go out there and do their thing with this guy. And they could use this as a, let's say a, a story poll or a test on the health of the, both the regulations and the enforcement side of this thing. I think what's going to happen, you know, you've got these people that are, you know, off with their head, blah, blah, blah. And what's going to happen is, is we see when the FAA does enforcement, um, and this is, we're going to get into this later too. I think that it's going, it's going to show people uh, some of the differences between 336, 107, yada, yada, which we'll get into. But uh, on the other hand, you know, the, the way that the FAA works, you know, they'll be able to cite him for some different things, careless and reckless, flying over 400 feet, um, yada, yada, yada. But is this going to be a deal where they're going to throw him in jail for 20 years and, and fine him, you know, $2 million? I doubt it. Look what happened with uh, Trappy, you know. Um, they had the big fine. They were going to make the showcase out of it, and they settled out of court for 1000 bucks or something, negotiated it away. So I think what's going to happen, you know, off of his head might turn into, uh, you know, a slap on the wrist. It could. And if that's the case, the community's kind of painted the FAA into a corner. And if a guy walks away with a relatively low fine and no jail time and his head attached to his body, then it's going to show a lot of other people out there in the, you know, on the Internet or wherever that uh, basically you could do something totally stupid uh, malicious and and uh, yeah, and there are really no consequences. So it's a free reign, go nuts, do whatever you want. That's the worst case scenario, but it is definitely something that's plausible. And I and I think that uh, that's why I've 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 been uh, out on Twitter and whatnot saying let's let the process work. Gene, what do you think of that? Think I'm t- too nice? I think the process is going to be predictable, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably that that's probably the scariest thing about this. And if it does turn out that way, it's just it's the same thing that we discussed early on in the commercial days when we were trying to abide by the rules, 
and not making any money, and there were guys out there rogue knocking down six figures a year when we were waiting for the FAA to tell us it was okay. Uh, we've got the same sort of situation now as it gets more widespread and people are getting really out there and trying to get the shot to get them on the National Enquirer. And well, not only it, the Enquirer, but... Does, yeah, ahead. if it turns out that way, it's, it's going to be pretty tragic. Oh, it's gonna. There's, there's. It's just gonna be uh, mud on the face of the whole industry. But you know, okay. Well, before we go too much further, let's bring on our guest, Mark Towers. Um, you know, and and basically, I have Mark on. He's, he's going to kind of give us his uh, FPV point of view. Mark, could you introduce yourself to the audience and sure. maybe talk a little bit of how you got into the FPV <laughs> um, world? how this all started. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Mark Towers, and thanks very much for having me on the show. I, I believe that responsible SPV people or people trying to be responsible don't necessarily get a lot of airtime in any of these debates. We'll probably represent one, maybe 5% of the market. Who even knows? Uh, my history and who I am. I am in my mid-40s. I'm going to be 45 in a couple months here. I've been flying SPV since the end of 2013. I have about 5,000 flights under my belt verifiably from my logs, and I don't have everything logged uh, 100%. My RC heritage goes back to the 1980s when I was racing cars. I always wanted to do planes, but it boggled my mind why you wouldn't want to put a camera on the front of these things and fly it like it was a bird, like you were in the cockpit. And finally, about 2010, the technology shifted, and by 2012, 2013, it started to actually happen, and, and I was in. Since your audience has a lot of... FAA and aviation professionals in it, I thought I just want to, I, I really do want to point out where my support system comes from. I'm actually from an FAA family. I grew up in aviation. I'm pursuing my own private pilot's license. And my father is a recently retired 35-plus year veteran of the FAA management in air traffic control. And he actually has um, credit for being an FAA manager in an international airport as well as a national airport. So he's aware of all of my activity, and me and him are very close on this. And he was worried at first, and he thinks this. I think he would share the, the common opinion here that this is what's going on is crazy with the FAA. So um, that's my my quick introduction. And uh, as far as stats go, I've never had a flyaway. I've never struck anyone. I've had almost no in-air failure under one percent. Uh, I've almost gotten into recess fights by people thinking I'm spying on them. I've almost been arrested five times, including military police. I have about seven drones flying. I've built over 50, and I've never had a single close call with a human-carrying craft, although a couple months ago I was watched by an Apache helicopter at our private field for a little while, which spooked me out. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, um, even in this case, you know, um, I, I'm kind of of the mindset that uh, you'd really, to not know that there are some rules or that the FAA has some jurisdiction over or drones or, or rules or something, guidelines, whatever else, you'd pretty much have to be hiding mm -hmm. under a rock or living in Afghanistan. Um, it's all over. It's been all over the major news. It's been TV, radio, uh, print, yeah. all of the technology blogs, The Verge, GitHub. I mean, everywhere. Everybody's talking about sure. it. So, I mean, you would you sure. would have to not own a cell phone. 
not own a TV, not own a computer, uh, to not know. So, you know, and, and this is another thing I want to talk about, too. I, you know, okay, so we had the collision, you know, uh, between the Black Hawk and the Phantom. Right. Beyond visual line of sight and airspace the guy shouldn't have been in at night, whatever else. I did not see the advocates and the experts yell off with their head. And in this case, yeah. we have a situation where a guy, yeah, okay, it was a manned aircraft, but so was the other one. Technically, could have brought that Blackhawk down, you know. And it, they were flying yeah. in, in congested airspace. And, you know, golly gee willikers, you know, you don't, you don't have, uh, <laughs> you know, the advocates and the experts calling for off for the guy's head. Now we have a situation where we have yeah. some guys flying FPV, and it's not, you know, uh, one of the major OEMs, and uh, everybody's calling for this guy to be thrown in prison and, and, and uh, throw away the key. So I think I, the the selective outrage is also showing me that these people are just coin-operated. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being coin-operated, but, uh, you know, you, you at least want to get PR people yeah. that could kind of cover your tracks a little bit. So you don't look like you're a, a Instagram model. I think these Instagram <laughs> models have you know higher standards and morals than uh, some of these drone people. But anyway, so let's it, talk. Can I just can I oh, throw an ahead. interesting comment in on that on what you just said there, Patrick? And the you know, Instagram as far as the OEM. Okay. No, no. I, I, you know, this event in Las Vegas has no OEM. The majority of FPV is is a tinkerer and a builder thing. I buy a frame from one guy, I buy motors from somewhere else, I throw them all together, I configure it. So there is no single point of of, of purchase. I mean, these are crafted, really. It's a, it's a, a maker thing. And I think that's part of the outrage because there's no money out of their pocket shutting us down. And the other side of the equation for why they're outraged I honestly believe, because I'm in all the groups, I'm in the groups where this stuff gets released, I'm in groups that FAA is trying to crack into, you know, conspiracies about FAA spies and Facebook and other groups. Um, FTV's got a bad reputation, and, and I understand why. It's kind of a toxic culture. It's a very video game millennial culture to a large degree, and, and I find hard being, I find it really hard to deal with my contemporaries in the field sometimes, too, regarding safety, airworthiness, and not being stupid. So I think that FPV is easy to pick on. I think Jonathan Ruprecht just pointed that out. I've seen it written a couple other places. We're easy to pick yeah, but, on. So that's yeah, what's happening. You know, the thing is, though, is, is that is not something that is, let's say, only with the FPV Fair. community because uh, Gene just alluded to that, that, you know, most of the people, most of the people, let's, let's be honest, most of the people in the drone industry that are killing it, color mm-hmm. outside the lines. And that's just the way it is. Sure. It's always been that way. Right, Gene? Yep. And yeah, so, you know, it, you it know. was funny because we did the same argument. You know, these guys that are, you know, spending thousands of dollars on their planes or, or their, their aircraft, they're, they're not going to do anything silly. They're, they're going to protect that investment, that sort of thing. We put that argument out there before, too. So, mm. uh, you know, it, it didn't play. And <laughs> um, unfortunately, the... Uh, the, the first-person view guys are kind of painted with that brush. That You know, you're out there, you're wildcatting, you know, you're doing your own thing. Yep. Yeah, but it's not only them. I mean, look at the guys that are doing, the, um, you know, these, these drone film festivals. You know, uh, two years ago they were whining, oh, golly, you know, nobody from the U.S. is 
really putting anything in here that looks good. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I see these uh, these entries and people are doing like flying over the Golden Gate Bridge or over the Bay Bridge <laughs> or something. I mean, there it's just even the sizzle reel for the uh, the drone thing for the San Francisco one. I mean. I, I, everything it's totally illegal you cannot do that and so even the other businesses yep. that are making money on on hosting videos and this is again the selective outrage you know oh yeah we're gonna buy this because yep. we want that and we need the list of pilots who are all out there go flying doing whatever they can you know do to get people to click and view their videos cause they're outrageous and outlandish yep. and never seen before Oh, yeah, well, we're all about safety, you know, is what they're saying as advocates. But on the other hand, you know, it will do whatever you want. Now, the other thing, even with, um, you know, the, the world's largest drone maker, uh, you know, all, most of their um, aircraft will fly four kilometers or further away. Where is that legal? Why do you have that? How come your geofencing doesn't work? You're all about safety. You know, how come your uh, engineering, your QAQC is so low? How can you beta test on your customers? How can you sit there with a straight face? And I'm, you know, I'm not the only guy that notices this. I mean, this is, this is noticed to, this yeah. is getting noticed with, uh, let's say people that have, um, uh, you know, IQs over double digits, um, are noticing that you're saying one thing and your products are showing another thing. Your customers are showing another thing. You don't really want to educate yeah. your customers. If you wanted to educate your customers, you'd have uh, you'd, you know talk about point of sale registration, uh, people signing uh, some sort of um, declaration that they they have to register the aircraft and that the FAA has rules. And that is going to push us right into, I wanted to talk about the 336 and the Part 107 thing. And you, and you brought sure. up the specter of Jonathan Ruprecht, and, and he was a guy that I had talked to about this 336 Part 107 thing a while ago. Now, we, we talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday, but go ahead. Why don't you give us your interpretation mm-hmm. of, of the difference? My interpretation on this? So yeah, well, between the, I, this actually yeah, comes. <laughs> this this information is sort of a, a, a amalgamation of of me actually reading all of the rules. I mean, I have the far aim on my desk right here. Is I read all the ACs. I mean, I I've been in this for a while. I fought really large municipalities on airspace violations and illegal stuff. So I'm I do consider myself one of the more informed in the FPA, FPV area. I'm also not really liked very much because I know the rules. So uh, mm-hmm. I think I might have oh, to really? with, with you guys. <laughs> I've, been, I've been yelled at and booted from groups for pointing out how the regs work. But that's another story. So as far as uh, FPV goes with 107 and 336, obviously 336 kind of holds a pinky toe in the door to keep it open, allowing, uh, allowing the legacy AMA model to continue in the United States. And I think that that's important, and I think that there's, there's some good in there. But it turns out the con- congressional definition of a uh, remote-controlled aircraft, uh, I'm not going to be using the perfect terminology, so I, I hope the professionals bear with me. But the way they, they define it is that it's flown unaided visual line of sight. So as soon as you strap goggles onto your face, obviously you're not line of sight. So what apparently has happened, and this comes both from contacts I have in the FAST team on the FAA as well as Jonathan and other sources, 
because we don't have anywhere to slip FPV, it just automatically defaults to commercial. You need a 107, and you know how good that is is a different debate that I don't want to go into. So right now, I could become a recreational or hobby pilot and fly the real planes, but I can't do that with FPV. I can only be a commercial pilot. I I am going to be under some rather draconian laws. And when you look at it from a, you know, you pull back a little bit and you look at what they're trying to do, it's it's completely unusable information that they're trying to get you to, to learn, like what FPV is about and how it actually operates is not even really incorporated into 107, in my opinion, as far as the culture that I participate in. And I know that there's many flavors of it. So does, well, that, uh, does that rein in basically where we sit with that? Well, I think this is what, what's really going to where, – where people are going to realize this because there's a lot of – you know, you talked about this being in the, the groups. Some of those groups, those people are such fools. I, I, I can't even be no. in them. I take a powder. You got the fanboys in there. Oh, it's tough. No, you don't, you don't know. Well, and that's nothing new because you remember the early days, right, Gene? No, I, not at I all. Mean, we didn't get anything like you'd that rather when not. we were in the group. Uh, we got lambasted. Uh, you guys are going to bring the FAA down on us. They don't care about model aircraft. They don't care about drones. They don't care about any of this. And you guys are idiots. And, you know, it's like, all right. You know. Anyway, yeah. I don't care yeah. too much about those people because what, what the real deal is is the 550 document. You know, you're aware of the AMA 550 document. Yep. And uh, that came yep. out of the small UAS arc. And that actually, I was the one mm-hmm. that instigated that. You know, Rich Hansen was on the ARC. Uh, there was another guy, I believe his yep. name was Scott Fuller, who actually did the uh, the legwork on all that. But I was like, hey, look, if you guys don't get something together, like right now with, with this FPV thing, you're going to fall outside of everywhere and there'll be nothing. And that's how the 550 yeah. document came along. And I'm sure you've heard people bellyache about the buddy box and all the rest of that, but that's how you got around the visual line of sight, yada, yada. And, of course, it wasn't the yeah. end-all, be-all, which, you know, the visionaries, if I could go back in time, and most of the drone visionaries, they'll never regulate us. We're innovators. We're this. Well, he's sitting <laughs> on uh, $125 million of lost money because he, he had his head up his own butt and believed in his own you know, it's when you start <laughs> believing your own BS, that's when the, the stuff starts getting dangerous. But anyway, um, we were going to get regulated. This was one of those things. At least there's some carve out for, let's say, the sale of FPV goods. There's there's something where people could get started. Again, you know, we're all adults here. We all understand that people color outside of the lines, um, and you're going to do that. But but at least there was something. Now I got to say, you know, even with the AMA. Um, in 2005, you remember when we were doing the uh, ASTM thing, right, Gene? Oh, yeah, yeah, very well. All right, well, an ideal, I believe we were on a telecon for ASTM or TCA, and, and during the telecon, there were people actually testifying to Congress about the drone thing. And this is back in 2005. And it wow. was the uh, leadership of the AMA and AOPA outed uh, our Kappa, these guys are advocating for the commercial use of, of you know, at the time, were they RPAs or UAVs or, I can't even remember what they yeah. were calling them, you know, whatever. 
Anyway, and there's the RCAP logo, you know, the Congress thing. No one even mentioned it on the call. Nobody even mentioned it until the guy from AMA jumped on the call after he testified to Congress. And basically their thing was, we don't want to have anything to do with any of this. We don't want to have anything to do with these, these droners, whatever. We're doing our own thing. We're burying our head in the sand. Have a nice day. And, uh, you know, some, some things came to light. We were talking about this before the podcast, that the, the different versions of AC-9157, the AMA had their own version, which had a comma after the shall not fly over 400 feet comma within three miles of an airport. It's a mimeograph deal. <laughs> Maybe somebody has one of those. I don't know. Anyway, um, moving forward uh, from the ARC deal, the 550 document, again, people were unhappy with it. But at least it was something, and we kind of moved forward. And then again, you know, the AMA has kind of had a love-hate relationship with the drones. You know, well, we want – no, we don't want anything to do with those guys. Screw them. Oh, no, wait, we do want to. And like they the floated, uh What, an exemption for what? The exemption they tried to do. This, this is the one that I always bellyache over, and I always remind AMA we will not forget is when they tried to get the legacy – line of sight guys exempted from needing to register the first time the registration came around. Uh, well, and um, that, that kind of, that speaks volumes to me. Obviously they've changed their tune, but we should not forget that they only wanted the drones, the quadcopters, the multi-rotors to have to register with the, uh, uh, you know, in the federal registry and not the legacy flyers. So, you know, there's bias. It was, it was always there. I saw that was about 2014 ish, I think. Well, I, I, you know, I didn't really follow that too much. I, I do give the AMA a wide berth because I figure, I you know, they've got their own things. But I will say this. Look, um, I, I like Rich Hansen. He's a good guy. I think that the AMA leadership, you know, has tried to figure out what's going on here. I think, that, you know, Rich is a little bit of a – he's older than I am, uh, you know, my mind, you know, he, he did business with the government at a time where you could take people on their word, you could shake their hand, <laughs> take their word for things. Uh, they, they got, they got the prom date promise is what they got. I, I really believe there were, there were some times that, uh, you know, they, they could have done some stuff like, a, you know, oh, let's say on the arc. And I believe it was in early 2009 when their traffic ATO came in and, you know, this was one of, uh, Gene's favorite people. Remember uh, Artie, right? Gene, Artie Williams. Oh, oh another person. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, I had flushed that from my memory, but now that it came painfully roaring back, yes, I, <laughs> I, I remember that person well. Yes. Now Artie comes bursting in the room. You know, this is after I did my demo with the Cracker Barrel for the commercial system. This this whole deal. I remember you know, that someday when I. When I write the book, you know, it, it'll make for good stories. So we're going to fly. I have to fly my commercial system at the Dryden facility, you know, the NASA Dryden facility, which I'm like, hey, this is going to be great, you know. You know, Chuck Yeager flew at the Dryden facility. <laughs> Chuck likes beer. I like beer. I'm going to fly. This is going to be great, you know. So I fill out about 10 pages of paperwork. To fly the slow stick at, uh, you know, on the lake bed there, you know, next to the uh, B-2 bomber and all the rest of that. And then they're like, oh, hey, we got more paperwork for you to fill out. And I'm like, oh, great, because yeah, I love paperwork. 
So um, I have to fill out the um, the frequency paperwork. And I fill all that out, and it comes back, and I got denied. I could not fly at the uh, Dryden facility. And this is a family show, so I won't, uh, I won't go on about uh, what I started to say about that. But anyway, <laughs> I had to get special dispensation from the board of AMA to fly at one of their sites because I had a commercial system. Okay. Yep. And uh, that was a good show. But uh, the, the upshot on that was, uh, you know, the person from uh, the ATO, Artie Williams, did not come out to see me demo my system. And I said, you know, I spent a lot of money coming here, a lot of time doing paperwork. I got all the special dispensation. I had to join AMA. I had to spend the money, all the rest of this stuff. And you couldn't even, the decency to send someone out to see what a commercial operation looked like. Well, I'm not wasting my time or my, you know, the taxpayer's money on, you know, RC planes. It's stupid or whatever, you know. It's a waste of our time. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, great, you know. Why didn't you say that before? And I got to save myself some money, you know. Anyway, the upshot on the meeting was, is then she says, well, oh, well, <laughs> you know, there's Rich Hansen over there, and we've been working on this for six, seven months uh, on the hobby, uh, you know, regs. And she says, oh, that doesn't matter, because ATO is going to write the rules for, for um, the uh, hobby aircraft. And I was like, oh, <laughs> hold the phone here. So let me get this straight. So we've just been over here doing what for the last six or seven months? I got the meeting shut down. I was pissed. I mean, you, you want to talk about a dog <laughs> and pony show that the, you know, hobbyist was supposed to have representation on the arc, which we did. The, the unaffiliated hobbyist had nothing. That person get or those nope. people got disenfranchised. And I said that during the arc. I was like, look, it was like, you know, uh, Alderaan, you know, or, Hundreds of thousands of voices cried out for representation, and boom, they were gone, you know, had a little headache. I felt the pain. Afterwards. Well, you know, I, I mentioned that to the FAA because it came out, they asked the AMA, how many RC hobbyists are there out there that are not AMA members? And, uh, and the AMA's opinion was about 5,000 people. And I go, well, maybe more like 500,000 people, you know, but anyway – uh, that was a mistake that the uh, FAA made. But at the time, you have to realize the people, the, the mood at the FAA is really nobody wanted, this was, nobody wanted to deal with this stuff. You were in the hot seat. Remember that, Gene, how the people, or me, yeah. how, remember oh, the people yeah. at the uh, FAA were like, oh, Jesus, you know. How did, how did I yeah, pull this was, duty? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, nobody wanted off? to be around. <laughs> exactly. So let's and, let's actually talk a little bit about 550. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rein this back in a little bit. Um, oh well, good. You know, because yeah, this is your show. I, I'm braided it in. Somebody needs to take control of this show quick. <laughs> yeah, Patrick warned me. He he goes on a tangent sometimes. So I thought I'd step in. Um, the FAA doesn't believe 550 to be valid or legitimate, um, and that's a concern. I wonder if it's going to be struck down or challenged. I wonder if we have some case law that is going to finally be settled or be asserted against us. That's a really big question I have because until they formally shut that down, we're in this gray area. Um, and there's some other luminaries in this field that say it might be better for you to not have rules than have rules. The fuzziness of this is probably the best we're ever going to get. If you, if you really want rules, you may not like what they deliver. So I find that to be very interesting. 
on another level, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. There's a website out there. I am not affiliated with it. It's called ftvguidelines.com, and it is a working set of, uh, of FTV guidelines meant to compete against 550. Um, I generally use that as my reference point. And on top of that, we actually wrote our own guideline, and I was looking to do a formal CBO nonprofit and uh, both Patrick, I've talked to Jonathan and many others, and I said, is this a good idea? And everybody who knows more than me in this field told me, don't do it. You're wasting your time. You have too much to lose. It's too screwed up. Just, just fly and have fun. And that's, that's, a, that's really worrisome. That, that really does scare, scare me on the whole thing. Well, and let's go back. Let's I know we're going to want to ask Let's back it up, though, because, you know, that's exactly what you were saying about not wanting to have the rules and, you know, be careful what you wish for. That's how the whole 550 document got started. And the fuzziness Mm -hmm. and all the rest of that stuff is exactly a result of the 550 kind of being a redheaded stepchild document. So, I mean, again, we're, we're, we're kind of reliving this. Now, the, the advice about the advocacy thing, I mean, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but, you know, you're talking, Gene was one of the founding members of our Kappa, so you should direct yep. your questions at Gene about, you know, advocacy groups and whatnot. Oh, no, no, I, I, I'm aware of it. <laughs> it's for both of you. You guys are in this longer than me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's... Look, you talked about some of the problems, okay? Some of the problems are that, you know, you get kicked out of these groups because you're, you know, you're talking about the rules. You know, we learned at the R-Kappa that really what we were doing was selling a message that nobody wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear, hey, you know, it's against the law or you got to be safe. I mean, you know, we wrote, uh, we, we approached the CAAs, including the FAA, with an exemption. You know, this is, this Mm -hmm. is, uh, this is, you know, 2007 or 8, you know, uh, under four mm-hmm. pounds, visual line of sight, blah, blah, blah. And even the visionaries within the community shot holes in. Yeah. It's not enough. We want to do more. We got to do this, yada, yada. You guys are crazy. It's never going to happen. Uh, you know, that Egan guy's yeah. mad at the world, blah, blah, blah. So basically, you're, you're just selling you're trying to sell an idea to people that they have to be responsible business people or responsible users of the NAS. And I'm going to tell you right now, personal responsibility does not wash in this country anymore. Just doesn't. No, no. you're right. And you're right. And the FAA, and I lay, I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, I'm writing another article and I lay it right out. And, and I did, I wrote another article, uh, what really happened with the airspace integration. And I'm going to say this right now from my mm-hmm. experience that I have in this industry, when the FAA put out the arbitrary policy clarification in 2007 and made the drone thing illegal, everyone in the aviation community took one step back. We're out. And at that point, the floor, let's say the aviation safety culture that there is in in regular aviation, the rug got yanked right out from under drones. And I told them, if you guys don't come up with something here in three to six months, man, it's going to be a free-for-all, and you will never rein it in. Ah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. We, got, we have ways to deal with these people and yada, yada. And the same deal no, that Gene was talking about. These are all off-airport 
you know, operations. I go, yeah, guy pulls up, he pulls him out of the trunk, he flies for five or ten minutes, back in the trunk, he's gone. How are you going to enforce your rules? Good question. Same deal with the ID yeah. and tracking. You know, uh, there's pictures floating around of the Cracker Barrel, which has got the 10 millimeter high stick that says uh, end number here. You know, they want to give them, uh, they wanted to give them end numbers. So I told them, you know, the FAA, when they came and saw the demonstration, I go, you know, it's a little hard to read those uh, letters on the side of that, you know, the, the one <laughs> centimeter high stick, huh? Yeah, boy, that's, uh, we didn't think about this. So let's say there was a lot of uh, preconceived misconceptions that went on. I'm not saying it's a bad idea to have standards. Uh, I think it's a good idea to have standards, and every group should have standards, and yeah. people should operate safely. Yeah. And I do, that, I, I do think that these two, you know, manned aviation and unmanned aviation can mesh. Um, yep. I, I think we're in a, a thing now where all of it now is, it's not even crisis management. Um, it, it's crisis CYA, and we got to do something, and the numbers are just totally out of control. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know where we're going to go forward from here. I mean, I hear people throwing around bands. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too, and that's really scary. Good luck. I, I mean, I don't mean to be that that guy who who chimes in with that statement, but look at look at the size of the enterprise of uh, Tim's work at Get FPV or the other Tim at ReadyMade RC, and all the other ones that are popping up. I mean, there's this is a lot bigger than we can measure, and me and anybody I've ever flown with, I can guarantee you, would not stop. If there was a ban, we would be more careful, but we would not stop. And uh, we've, we, this technology we've, is moving forward, and we're going to be there. We've equated it to the uh, the old days. You know, you're probably old enough to remember the CB radio thing. Really, the only way oh, yeah. if you got busted, they, I mean, they they got pretty cagey because I knew somebody who did get busted. And, you know, they're like, ah, come on over and let's have a beer. You know, what's your 1020, good buddy, or whatever. Yeah, come on over. We'll have yeah. some beers and barbecue or whatever. And, a, you know, FCC would roll up and uh, you know, bust Bubba and whatever. But, you know, um, I agree. I mean, I think if the genie's out of the bottle, and instead of yep. uh, trying to do the crisis management thing, uh, I, I believe it's time for the, you know, everybody to kind of pull on the long pants say we have a technology we have a situation here what are we going to do and we can't they they do have to be the user groups because the oems uh that's a total disaster those people even what we've seen in the statements from these quote-unquote stakeholder groups is basically a Mm -hmm. cya um you know situation they want to sell products yeah they don't they don't care about anything but selling products you know um and unfortunately you know, this this uh, federal preemption thing, I, it's going to be a disaster. And I think it's dead because these guys have all been advocating. Your manufacturers, your software, cell phone app people have all been lobbying and advocating for local jurisdictions to come up with their own rules and regulations and enforce the farce. You know, uh, and you said when you got on here that you've had uh, situations with law enforcement. You want to describe some of those situations? My situations with law enforcement, yes, they've been varied, very varied. Um, there was one incident where I was just I was flying in an industrial zone in a park in um, 
nobody's ever at this park. It's one of the best places I've ever flown. Flying, I had my goggles on, and I crashed. You know, sometimes a prop breaks in midair and things go down, and I don't fly over people or anything. So, you know, I'm, I always fly in an area where I can crash, right? And I take my goggles off. I look to the right, and there's a cop sitting there watching me. I'm like, oh, great. And uh, so I walk over the field. I pick up my drone. Very nonchalant, I take my SD card out of the GoPro. I put it in my mouth because that's evidence. And I walk back to my car real calm and look at my drone, pack my stuff up at a very nice, reasonable pace, and leave. (laughs) Never said anything. But other instances, we were flying at what ended up being a very sketchy spot that we thought was legal, and it was actually controlled by the military police. And we, uh, we've had park rangers called on us. I've managed to talk our way out of it. Military police incidences uh, near air bases where there's camera rules. There's no way you would know that you can't fly a camera in, like, 30-mile radius of this Air Force base. There's just it's a very difficult thing to ascertain, and, and obviously that was our mistake. Uh, I've had a couple instances with usually it's force cops and park rangers that don't know the regulations, and mm-hmm. it's tough. I'm just trying to not be arrested, and I – what actually changed it is I had a guy try to fist fight me once and that's when I started working on my concealed weapon permit because I wasn't really doing anything spy worthy. He claimed that, you know, I'm spying on people and I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. And these instances keep coming up over and over and over again. And as much as I try to be an ambassador and I carry a fair set of goggles to see what it is. And I take the time to explain how it works. And kids love it. And I fly them around. I mean, it's like, it's, Still, nothing but an uphill battle, be it be it law enforcement or just your average person walking around. Um, their conception of this is, is pretty much cemented by fear, uncertainty, and doubt that comes from, you know, the mass media, which is all clickbait to begin with, and they're just trying to get eyeballs on their page. So, you know, I feel like I'm at the bottom of this valley and all the poop rolls down onto our particular hobby, and, and it's unfortunate. Well, you're making another point here that the uh, the education program's not working. You know, no. that's you know we Is need there more education. education. <laughs> oh yeah, you know uh, that's the know, the know, know before you fly app. You know, uh, which yeah. nobody uses, even my students. Uh, you know, and I, I don't want to do the accent, but a lot of the uh, the Chinese students that I had basically said, uh, "No before you fly sucks." You know, because you can't fly anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and they prefer the air map because you could just keep toggling stuff off until you can fly wherever you want. It's a little bit more liberal, uh, which I think is funny yeah. because that's another one that's like, oh, we're all about safety. Well, then why are you toggling off the heliport? Or technically, their airport. Well, you know, uh, you know nothing. You know, it's, Generally, it's all, uh, that rule is for towered airports. And the towered airports now, as I, I recently found out in calling for permission, you um, there are automated towers as well, like robot towers that fall into that category. And I didn't know that until I called an airport up for uh, permission recently. He's like, oh, no, we're automated, because I didn't think this little dinky place had a tower. I called anyway, without, you know, respect. Sure enough, automated robot towers count now. And uh, I looked in some of the apps and, uh, and various um, charts and stuff, and it's, it's just not obvious information at all. And that's, that's part of the know before you fly in the education, where I feel it's really lacking. Well, a clear set of rules case, would be nice. I may still be breaking all of them, but I'd at least like to know what the rule book is. Right. Well, I don't. I don't use any of the apps, to be honest with you. I use uh, the flight services or um, 
Yeah. I use uh, Skyvector and uh, flight services. That's the yep. thing I don't get. You know, we got Lance. Lance! Oh, we got Lance and UTM and we got flight services. Go over there and file a flight plan. I'll tell you, yay, yay, you know. I mean, it's it's easy. It already works. It exists. And the other thing I thought was funny is during the short government shutdown that we had, Lance went down, but flight services was up. So if we have another government shutdown, is Lance going down again? Flight service going to be up? The whole thing's ridiculous. Um, anyway, I don't, uh, I don't think that a lot of these companies have the um, – let's say, best intentions for the industry, except for the bottom line of ROI for their VC investors. But anyway, um, oh, yeah. well, go ahead. You had a thought there? No? I have my father to turn to when I have an airspace question. And flying as long as he has, instruct as many people as he has, working in air traffic as long as he has. If I have a question, I get a really good answer as to, as to, as to how to approach this. But I think that yeah. a lot of the advocacy that's missing in education and, and other areas in FPV is because there is no unified OEM. There is no single large monetary body. And I'm going to be horribly honest right now. The majority of FPV is millennial like guys, video gamers that are – not too far from living hand to mouth who are scraping together these vehicles. They have no budget to join anything. They have no attention span for any of these long laborious things. They, <laughs> Brutal. they jumped off an Xbox into a drone and somewhere between that jump, something or somebody needs to come in and help rally people together for, for reasons of safety understanding regulations and moving the hobby forward. And that's, that's kind of the gap that's going to be real hard to fill. Yeah. And see, I, I'm sitting here from, I'm being very quiet listening to you talk about all the things that you can't see or can't do or wherever you're, you know, having to go to figure out things. But as a pilot, a man mm-hmm. pilot, and, and you should know this as you're, you're from an FAA family, yeah. We do know where to look on these things, and we've been trained to go look at it. And before anybody says anything, I am not advocating that all drone pilots have to go get their pilot's license. I'm not saying that, okay? Uh, this is what happened in the past. We we didn't we didn't advocate for that sort of thing. We you know the RPAS is great, great. Let's get the RPA uh, license and go with it. But I am just saying that as a manned aviation pilot. We know where to look for those things, and we can apply that with commercial drones. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, no, I understand. And I do know how to read charts, and I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I vet almost every location that I choose to fly at with regards to airspace integration, CFRs, notes, all of that. I do my review. I am an exception, however. And somewhere between me trying to do the right thing, be legal, and be respectful, and the majority of FPV, there's a gap, and that's... that's You're a bad person. That's a real you are hard just, uh, <laughs> For knowing the rules, or for breaking the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, take your pick. Well, hey, can, I, can I inject something? You look at can I inject something really quickly, sure. just that never gets put into these conversations? I just want to really get it on the record, because I feel like it's something that's not talked about with FPV. Um, from my point of view as an FPV pilot, I look at the uh, DJI and similar products, which are mission-based, 
fundamentally, where you, you have an app and you do nothing more than points and it goes there. I see those as being so dangerous to me. And when you flip over to the FPV side and you look at the hardcore people, the rule set that we actually follow, which is a very strict rule set, and the rules I have for our private field are insanely strict. And a couple of key points that nobody ever talks about is we have the uh, brick on signal loss and you must use an auxiliary kill. So those two items right there really rein in safety that is not present in any other area of the drone. And we also enforce rate only or gyro flight. So those three items are brick on signal loss, the flight controller, as soon as you lose a transmitter signal, motors stop and this thing falls out of the sky. That's our policy. We don't fly over anything we can't crash into. So that equation sort of balances in itself, all right? Um, uh, using a dedicated arm switch, kill switch, is another thing that we, we do because the older four-channel radios usually had you do stick moment, movements for arming, and that's very dangerous in drones because you end up doing a yaw spin trying to turn the thing off in air. Minor, but we like to see that. That way you can just kill it. If something goes weird, just kill it, let it draw. You know, deal with the damage of your drone when it hits the ground. And... Those are huge. Those are huge. And then the use of rate only, we can't autopilot. We don't have a return to home. People think that's a convenience. That's a nuisance. That's another way to bump into things. That's another way for a, a prop to break and this thing go bizarre and create a fly-off situation. We have to continuously tickle the sticks to make this thing fly. It is 100% rate only, non-accelerometer, not stabilized flight. And when you kind of put all those things in together, we're limited by the range of our transmitter, which is a couple football fields. If we stay under 400 feet, like that actual paradigm of safety, the potential of safety in FPV is very high. And in my opinion, open for debate on this, almost higher than an off-the-shelf mission-based drone where you can just say, tap here. I mean, you tap wrong on your iPad, you could be sending this thing into the Empire State Building. Uh, you know, hyperbolic example, but... It has, you know, okay. it Mark, has tones of, of Mark, truth. You, you have got to stop making sense here, guy. This, this is not the way it works. Uh, yeah. I look at us. Now, anyway, you know, I, I mean, you're, you're making some of the, the points your, that I was talking about earlier where, sure. where really the user community. This is, this is the big problem, and I've been talking about it for years. Problem is, is that we do not have... Uh, qualified end users or even commercial end users in the integration effort. We have our people trying to sell products. We had that in the beginning with the DOD yep. guys. They were trying to sell their yep. products. They lost control. Um, there was some end user participation. The reason there wasn't uh, end user participation, I talk about this a long time, is again, when we talk about the legacy of this and being on the ASTM and RTCA back in 2005, that's 13 mm -hmm. years. I can't afford as a small business guy to make a career out of doing standards. Now, the other thing we have to realize, too, because this is, this is a total BS <laughs> story. All of that standards work. Remember, Gene, the 2005 Reno ASTM. You want to take a guess on how many civil aviation authorities in the world have adopted any of those standards, the F-38 standards? <laughs> Well, we know the answer to this question. Well, no, you guys are probably zero or near zero. It's it's close to zero. There's it, there's this is a it's a good news. Good news. One civil aviation <laughs> authority has adopted one standard, and it's Brazil. Okay, 
So how many countless man hours? You know, you're you're supposed to pay seventy five dollars a year for the for the um, you know, let's say privilege of giving the standards body your IP. Okay, and that's what we've gotten. And then people go, oh God, you know, that Ian guy's mad at the world, man. He keeps, you know, it's, are you crazy? I mean, you know, okay, if I work for, let's uh, for the, uh, you know, Starman Aviation Company, and I made a career, I had to think it was my next vacation and new golf bag I was in. Sounds great. I'll make a career out of this. 20 years, 15, I got a career to do. It's going to be great. If you're a small business or a business person who wants to do this as a hobby, you know, you're going to be able to have money to join the group. <laughs> now, I hear from that group guys, you know, yeah, I'm cat crashing on someone's couch in D.C. That's not how you play with the fish. Crashing on the couch and hitchhiking yeah. to Sheboygan and all the rest, that's never going to work. So there there are some big problems. And I will say that the, the other thing is, is um, you know, if you look at, like, who's on the Dak and Pony show and all the rest of that. Dak and Pony. That, the whole deal is rigged. Funny. It's okay. I mean, I, I went to that, and people are, you know, he's critical and he's mean and all the rest of that. I sat there, and uh, I didn't even say anything. I just, maybe some heavy sides. Same assumptions they were making 10 years ago without any data to back it up. And and there's the guy, you know, from the FAA, Earl Lawrence, like a nodding dog on the back uh, dashboard of somebody's car, you know, some old Buick or whatever. Oh, God, this is great. I mean, it was the stupidest stuff I've ever heard of. That's the other problem is the people that have been dealing with this at the FAA, unqualified, including the administrator, Huerta. You know, people want to know why GA is going down the tubes. You just get more guys in there that their experience is making up bus schedules for the Olympics, and you can, you know, drive by the airport and see why GA is dying. But anyway, I, I know that I've brought everyone down to Chinatown, um, I'll let uh, I'll let our guest uh, close this with some any closing thoughts. You, you said there was a group that was doing some standards. What's the website? Um, the one that I lean towards is fpvguidelines.com. Um, it's it's pretty normal. Be an ambassador. Be safe. You should bring your spotter. It's a little more liberal than the 550 doc. Um, we were going to release our own. It is not being released. At this point, uh, there's a reason for that, and uh, I'll talk about that in a closing. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff out there, and I don't know. It's, I'm in a quandary. My wife right now is the one who pushes me to fly more. I, I want to fly less because I'm so worried about this. And she says, you just need to get out there and fly and not worry about this stuff. I know you're a safe pilot. I know you're not going to hurt anybody. I know you're respectful of airspace. It's so weird. It's just so weird. I have to be. I have to be egged in into doing this by my wife because she knows how much I enjoy this hobby, and, and that's kind of sad. Um, well, so, I, yeah. You know, I don't so know. What's the I future of FTV, right? Yeah. What is the future? Where's? <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of future. I think we're turning into outlaws. And uh, as much as I condemn this particular flight, be it real or not. And the various yahoos that are out there flying like idiots, uh, those, are, those idiots are everywhere. Uh, you drive on the highway, you're going to get some guy who passes you doubling the speed limit every once in a while. That's a statistical slice of the population. 
idiot. So deal with them in the context of what they're doing appropriately, but don't let that kill all of us. But there's a, there are a lot of groups working to secure more private fields, uh, understand how the FAA operates so you can fly legally, and, and you know how to post video without creating an audit trail leading that right, that right to your front door. Uh, we're going to see a lot of saber rattling. We're going to see a lot of threats and outrage, but I, th- I think SPB is just going to continue on its own way, and the more this gets intense, the more the heat turns up, the further away the FPV crowd is going to go from adhering to regulations and caring at all. And you're just burning out that, that audience. And I know from my experience getting booted out of groups for politely trying to help people understand the reg, that culture's kind of cemented itself. So future FPV is exactly what it is today. And, and I would love to see a group come together and pull it together. Multi-GP has not been able to do it. DRL is more of a hindrance. Uh, from a technical point of view, the AMA is looking to find a new revenue stream to keep them going. So, again, it's a different type of cabal that seems to be steering this, where a lot of us users are we're just out there when we're, we're trying not to make it on the news. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um, <laughs> there's there's a lot in there. I will say, you know, I live in California, and the idea of buying a private field You know, even the AMA fields here are having a hard time because land is really expensive, you know. Yeah. Uh, They've got to move farther and farther out into the country, uh, things like that, insurance, uh, some other issues. You know, you're you're, uh, preaching to the choir. This has been a problem that's been around for a long time. Um, I'm going to say this, though, and this is in an article that I wrote, which will be coming out as part of this thing with the expo. It's coming up here at the end of April. Shameless plug. Um, I will actually be there. You've got <laughs> okay. Well, good because you're gonna. Gene's gonna be there, and you're gonna hear. You're gonna hear some good stuff. This we got some good stuff in store. I don't put it all on the website because it gets poached, but it's gonna be good. But yeah. the thing here's my thing. Okay, so <laughs> you know we've the latest forecast now. The Pew Research Group, which is, you know, I mean these people are these these are respected folks. Are now saying eight percent of the population. They eight percent of the population owns drones. Going to put us somewhere in the twenty-five million, right? Yep. If you have a million registered drones, man, you're not even in the single digits. Okay, percentage-wise. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. But the the bigger and more telling issue here is why doesn't why isn't the the membership of the AMA, you know, five hundred thousand or a million people why isn't the membership of the world's largest commercial advocacy group just locked in at 7500 when you have 70,000 plus commercial certificate opera certificated operators anybody want to take a guess at why why that is i mean i have my own uh you know theories gene why do you think it is nobody wants to participate in the kind of things that those organizations put on and advocate. Look at that, Mr. Political. I like that one. <laughs> that was a good one, dude. You're getting good at this. I, I don't know how old you are now. I know, you know. But you, the filter is on. I'm going to have to take some lessons from you, buddy. That was good. I like that. All right, Mark, do you have any theories? 
if I can buy something at Best Buy, charge it up and fly to my backyard, that is my universe. Okay? And until somebody comes in to tap me on the shoulder or greater, that will continue to be the universe. So the getting people on board for organizations, safety training, and that, that's going to have to come probably from something heavy-handed. And I actually have worked on programs trying to get Best Buy to stop selling drones where they can't be flown. There's many, many municipalities where drone flight is 100% illegal. How can you sell a drone in that area? Or at least just give them a piece of paper that says, hey, thank you for buying this. You just need to know that Village X over here, you can't fly. There's so many odd ways to sort of start nudging our population towards uh, some sort of greater cohesive responsibility. But, no, that would hurt sales. And education is, is probably a threat to this business model at this point. I, I would agree with that. I, um, you know, I, I think they really, if they again cared, they could have, you know, in the beginning of the, the show, which we're going to have to cut this off here because people will start complaining that it's too long. And, I, you know, you can always stop and listen later. But, yeah, I can't stop it because it's too good. I've heard all these excuses. Anyway, you know, during the registration arc, uh, you know, you did have Best Buy and I think Walmart was on there, one of the other big box stores. Mm-hmm. And uh, their their stance was if uh, registration's not at point of sale, do whatever you want. We don't care. Yep. So it's lip service. Yep. You go there. Every year I go to I go to Best Buy. I go to Fry's. I look at the selection. <laughs> I see the different companies come in and out, what the stock is like. Talk to the salespeople, usually the girl at Best Buy, you know. We we talk about drones. I I, I said I have drones. I, I teach. I get a license. You need a license? What? The warnings <laughs> at Fry's are, you know, make sure you put the propeller on the right motor and, you know, read the manual, <laughs> you know. It, Open it's the box comical. first. Yeah, you know, it's comical. So it's all lip service, yeah. and that is, uh, that's really yeah. how it is. Uh, you know, it's not really something where people are being genuine or, you know, this always gets me into trouble, intellectually honest. I think last year I was really on the uh, fallout from the intellectual honesty campaign I was on, and that went over like a Led Zeppelin in this industry. Nobody <laughs> wants to talk about intellectual honesty or personal responsibility. But anyway. You know, your your uh, perspective and point of view is good. I think it's interesting for people to hear. Thank you. The people that listen to this podcast are usually pretty high-level folks, you know, some of the folks at the FAA and other places. Um, and hopefully they'll get a little insight Never into, you know, you know, the perspective uh, uh, from the, the end-user community and understand what's going on instead of the uh, horse crap that they hear at these uh, committee meetings and on the telephone calls. So that's why I reached out to you on this. That's why I reached out. Well, it's, it's good old common I, sense. I, exactly. <laughs> so, well, so any you, more you know, in closing on this deal? Or? Uh, I'm going to close it out with a way to contact me. I have an email address of fpvsince2013 at gmail.com. That's fpvsince2013 at gmail. If you have a question or anything, I... It's a, it's a little hard to put myself out here because, uh, you know, I'm kind of going on the record talking about breaking rules, and I don't like that. But I, this is very important to me, and it's a very personal thing. So um, I am trying to make myself open. And we do have one project that 
is heating up that you guys will enjoy. I don't know if it's going to work, but what we're currently doing, we have, I work with a lot of groups. I work with a lot of people. I'm, Patrick knows this. And we are looking for a small rural community, the right one, to do a reverse NAS municipal rule set. So as we have more and more municipalities saying, you can't fly drones here or there for whatever reason, we are looking for a small rural community to go the opposite way and say, our airspace under these guidelines, you can fly FPV with a non-commercial license. And we want to try to see what happens and how the FPV will handle a swing of the pendulum in the other direction as far as municipal national airspace regulation goes. And that is the project that we're working on more than anything else. We have legal assets in there. We have money ready to go. We have a huge group of people that are ready to rally on this if we can find the right people. And that's where we're going to test what can happen with FPV and ideally prove that you can have a safe, legitimate, and good FPV scenario, you know, happening somewhere, somehow, and use that as a case study. So it's a little rogue, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. So that's my main project right now. Well, that's good. You know, one other thing I did want to touch back, we talked about the uh, heliports sure. and whatever else. I live in an area yeah. where the all of the, uh, let's say, hospitals have helipads on the roofs, and they're not mm-hmm. in, you know, controlled airspace, and they're there, there's a lot of helicopter traffic to these hospitals. So I don't know if uh, I, you know, some of it, again, I don't know if I agree um, with toggling off the heliports if, if that's a requirement, uh, airports and whatever else. Again, that's not yeah. my job. Uh, that's the FAA's Stop. job. One other question I'd like you to ask your father for me and to get back to me is what he thinks 25 million <laughs> drones are going to look like on an ATC screen or cell phone app. That's, 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 nobody's been able to answer that for me. Everybody thought, yeah, we got we, we, we tested 10 drones flying around and got it worked great. Okay, well, what's 25 yeah. million going to look like? It's a pipe dream. But I can tell you, it, it probably wouldn't have a lot of impact on, on some of the airports because I do believe there's still some air traffic control systems that are running on tube-based technology. So... Oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy with the tube-based technology. So now, I mean, that's another thing. If you talk to to people internally at the (laughs) FAA, they go, even before this UTM thing is going to kick on, the the upgrades and and, um, infrastructure are going to be in the billions. So maybe the maybe the uh, maybe you know your AMA members and your uh, 107 people are willing to pay for it. I don't know. You know. Five bucks, uh, a, five bucks of registration is going to take a while. Well, the funny thing, even with that five bucks of registration, is is that people were like, oh, God, you know, $5. I'm like, look, if the, uh, what are they doing with all that money? I said, well, if the FAA is charging yeah. five bucks, it's probably costing them eight bucks to do it. But anyway, that's yeah, a, another discussion for, <laughs> for another time. Anyway, Gene, any closing <laughs> thoughts? Mr. Mister Politico? You know, I, I, I got to tell you, it's, it, if you want to get Patrick spooled up, I mean, right there in the middle section, I don't know if anybody noticed it, but Patrick was talking 60 with Gus to 90. I mean, th- that's right, man, you, you were on today, boss. I'm telling you, you, you just, you go boy. Well, you know, some of this stuff really just like steams my clams, man. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell. Oh, me too. 
Uh, well, you know, I, I just we've just made. I think that what's gonna, you know, here. Let me just surmise all of that. What's happening is the proof is in the pudding, and I think all of this uh, shenanigans has put this country mm-hmm. behind again in this unmanned technology, yeah. and we're seeing it. People are asleep at the switch, but man, the Chinese are out peddling their assault drones to anybody who's ready to buy at 20% the cost, and the stuff is cutting edge, and the stuff, the best and brightest that we have in there in the United States, is they're expensive, and, uh, you know, they need $2 billion software upgrades so they don't keep crashing. So, you know, that that's what the dilly-dallying has cost us. So, anyway... Again, right on down to Chinatown. But, uh, you know, thanks for being on. And, uh, Gene, as always, thanks, buddy. And I'll be talking with you guys soon. Oh, thank you very much. pressure on it. (laughs) Talk to you guys later. Take care.